All right, all right. Come on in, guys. Come on in. Welcome to the Showtime Forum Lakers postgame uh, report. Obviously, tonight was not a great night. Um, this is probably the worst night uh, that we've had uh, since the season has started. Uh, I can't imagine a worse sequence of uh, plays. I can't imagine a uh, worse loss that we've had. Um, this is... Uh, one of those nights that you know that it's always a possibility that you can have these nights, okay? But uh, what you don't expect is for it to look as bad as uh, as it did, you know? Losing games or losing games by double digits, it happens to every single team. There's not a championship team that didn't have nights where it just they just didn't have it. Uh, but you don't expect it to look as bad as it did tonight. I am uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit in, in shock to be honest with you. Tonight we lost one twenty eight to one hundred four. Um, it was just it's it, it's unbelievable um, some of the decisions that were made by not only players but coaches tonight. I I legit can't explain what I just saw. Um, I'm sorry guys, I'm just adjusting the camera. There were there were things that Frank Vogel did that I just didn't make sense with the rotations. There were things that the players did that made zero sense and. And to be honest with you, we 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 could we we truly missed LeBron tonight. Um, there's no doubt about that. Can't say can't say enough about how much we missed LeBron tonight. And of course, Anthony Davis, who put up great numbers tonight, but also <clears throat> was was pretty hurt um, towards the end of the game. Um, it just it just didn't feel like the game was ever really in hand. Even when the game and the scores were close and we were trading leads, it just didn't feel like we were hitting the plays that mattered. And let me show you something. That stuck out to me. Tonight, uh, we made 10 of 29 threes. They made 11 of 32. And so we're, we're I mean, we're literally like, like neck and neck when it came to threes. It was when they hit their threes that mattered. <clears throat> we made most of our threes in times where it, it really wasn't a, a momentum stopper. Every time that the Nuggets went on a run tonight, they just, we, we couldn't do anything to stop the bleeding. And, uh, and, and tonight, when they hit their threes, it was always at a moment that got them right back into the game again. And eventually, of course, tonight they took over uh, when it mattered. So uh, uh, let's just kind of go through some of the stats tonight. I'm going to get to you guys' questions earlier. Uh, but just, uh, just a few things. Anthony Davis played tremendous tonight. 13 of 23 for 32 points. Uh, had 11 rebounds and four blocks tonight. But he also had five turnovers. Um, <clears throat> which, you know, it's going to happen with a high usage rate the way that he had it uh, tonight and, of course, not having LeBron James. Uh, JaVale McGee uh, gave us some valuable minutes. He was 3 of 6. Uh, he had 7 points, but one was a 3-pointer when the game didn't matter. Uh, but uh, the, the key points that I saw tonight that were a little weird for me uh, was watching <clears throat> uh, Avery Bradley score 6 points, uh, who was 2 of 8, um, and really didn't, didn't really make that much of a difference. He had 0 steals. He had 1 assist. Uh, Rondo looked like he was making some good plays in the beginning or that he was getting ready to kind of play a different game. He wasn't ball stopping. He was he had incredible court vision early, and then it just kind of turned into something different uh, later on. He went two of eight. He was one of four from the three. He only had five points tonight. Danny Green came alive, and towards the end of the game, he was one of four, and his only shot was a three-pointer. Um, and then the revelation tonight, was, which was good, was Kyle Kuzma. And what we've learned is that Kyle Kuzma is a scorer when he doesn't have to defer. The issue is that we're, we saw him score 16 points tonight. He was 7-15. He was aggressive. 
and he was doing his thing tonight. Obviously, not enough to, to make a difference. But he, he, if you had 16 points consistently at a Kuzma to go along with a KCP, to go along with um, uh, uh, LeBron, to go along with an AD, and you're starting to see people who have consistent double-digit figures, that would be great for this team. But unfortunately, he has not learned how to have those double digits and alongside with an AD and LeBron both playing. So uh, tonight, it was just one of those nights where we got to see a lot. It exposed us to how uh, how much depth we actually lack uh, uh, in, in uh, on our team. So a lot of people got run tonight. Everybody uh, literally got to play tonight. Uh, the only person who was scoreless was THT, but that's because he only got three minutes to play. He didn't even get a shot up, uh, but he did get an assist, which is, I guess, good to see, and, and a steal, but it's, it's garbage time. So uh, tonight was weird. Let me tell you the part about the Nugget side that made me really upset. <clears throat> Will Barton who was a 6'5 shooting guard, had 13 rebounds tonight. Will Barton had more rebounds than any of our bigs. The only person who had close to that was Anthony Davis at 11. Nobody else. Dwight Howard had seven. Uh, Anthony, I mean, JaVel McGee had five. But Will Barton, a 6'5 shooting guard, came in and had 13 rebounds tonight. That is so telling of where the energy and the effort was from the bigs tonight and I, I just I, I just feel like tonight as much as we want to talk about like you know AD and how great he is if these bigs don't don't show effort and they don't show energy we really don't have a three-headed monster we, we really don't have we have a link but if there's no energy to the link it's useless so let's kind of get into these questions I don't want to stay on tonight uh, too late because my mind is just like you know what I'm, I'm kind of done <clears throat> um, uh, this is from Yehuda uh Flown? Oh, I don't know how I'm saying that right. Uh, I know, but just a bit frustrating. Don't mind the losses as much as I do the reason they're losing, and that's the truth. That's the truth. Once again, there are some games where it's just like, you know, we ain't got it. Shots aren't falling. Um, the things that normally would happen aren't happening, or things that normally don't happen are happening. But tonight just felt like everything was all over the place. Even the runs that we were going on didn't feel really good, uh, you know? Um <clears throat> Too many turnovers and missed free throws. Once again, the Lakers and the free throw shooting is absolutely horrible. Uh, uh, going, <clears throat> excuse me, shooting 72% from the free throw line is horrendous. It's 16 of 22. And, and really the people who were out tonight, like LeBron was out tonight, having LeBron out tonight, um, he actually doesn't really help that average go up. So overall, what we saw from the free throw line tonight has pretty much been who we have been over time. And, uh, and, and luckily, you know, we're only 24 and 5 right now. Uh, so, you know, obviously it hasn't, it hasn't kept us from winning. Uh, but you better believe when you get into the playoffs, it's going to make uh, a difference. And so uh, when you're looking at, uh, at the player stats and all of these things, we, the, the most consistent free throw shooter that we have is Anthony Davis. And while that's great, he can't be the only consistent shooter that we have from the free throw line. When you're missing, and, and listen, Dwight Howard had an opportunity to really make it a game. Um, and, and, and by, you know, hitting, hitting free throws, and he just he couldn't hit them tonight. And I don't understand why that is. I don't know what the difference is for NBA players and, and how, how do they, I don't know if it's a motion thing, if it's a rhythm thing, uh, but there's clearly an issue with free throw shooting uh, with this team. The only person who went perfect from the free throw line tonight was Alex Caruso. Every single one of his points came from the free throw line. He was 8 of 8 from the free throw line, had, and he finished with 8 points. I, I can't explain it, but... It is what it is. 
Uh, Lakers film room is right. This is George Santiago. This is the value of going 18-0 against sub-500 teams. Yes. Okay. Now, um, um, we've also seen some other teams lose. Clippers lost tonight. We've, we've seen some other teams. We've seen the Nuggets lose against sub-500 teams. Uh, the, the reason why it was so important that the Lakers took care of business when they did during the easy part of the schedule is that when you get to the middle, this is this between now and the trade deadline <clears throat> is such a grind, guys. And we got to put this back in perspective. Should tonight have happened? Absolutely not. But this is normally when injuries start mattering. This is normally when fatigue starts setting in. And this is normally when your schedule really starts to make a difference. Now you've settled in. You've played teams before. Now you're playing them a second time and a third time. And things are happening that that essentially are starting to settle. And it's starting to cause things that are issues that you can kind of glaze over in the beginning of the season. They're now becoming much more obvious. For instance, our bench has pretty much been this bench the entire season. The issue is, is that we haven't had to rely on them like we did right now. Once again, injuries have popped up. Fatigue has, has popped up. And so now you need your bench to perform, and you're starting to notice that they have been this inconsistent the whole season. So with that being said, having your record at a place where you can sustain losses like this. Listen, we're 24. Or what, let me go back to that. I think we're 24 and 6. I'm sorry I said 5 before. We're 24 and 6, and we just hit a three-game losing streak. That means since the beginning of the season till right now, until this three-game losing streak, we had only had three losses. Okay, just want to put that in perspective. That's huge, guys. That's huge. Even with this loss, the Nuggets still have two more losses than us, right? So, so like it, like being able to sustain this is great. We still need to lose four more times just to hit double-digit losses. And this late into the season, we're about to go into Christmas Day, and of course, we have a tough stretch going on. We'll end tonight by talking about that. But this is why Lakers Schwimmer was right. This is why you need to go eighteen and zero against those sub five hundred teams. How do you let AD play when he when he fell like that? And that's uh, Laguna Mansa. I I completely disagree with Frank Vogel's decision to leave him in the game. With that being said, there has to be something between NBA coach and player that we just don't understand. <clears throat> it's not the first time I've seen it happen. I saw Kobe do it literally when the game did not matter and he would still be in the game and play. Um, I've seen a couple other players who were very crucial to their teams do it. Um, and then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where you have uh, a Kawhi who's like, listen, man, I understand my body so much that I'm not going to play back-to-backs, which I also hate. So so it's, it's a weird dynamic. Part of me uh, wants to believe that something that Frank Vogel and Anthony Davis talked about when he, when he, when he hyperextended that knee, um, some, something, had, something had to give Vogel a reason. I don't know if it was like to, give, to gain trust from AD. I don't know if it was one of those um, psychological things that AD needed to know that he can play through injuries. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, but but this early in the season, when uh, there's obviously far more games to play, playoff aspirations, championship aspirations, this is not the game to risk a season-long injury, uh, a couple of months-long injury. This is not it, especially with LeBron already uh, dealing with injuries. This is a game where as soon as you see him in a position where it feels like, you know what, he could really end up hurting himself, you pull him. After what we saw with with the Warriors, okay. Uh, after what we saw with uh, with Demarcus Cousins in the offseason, this is just you just don't risk season-ending injuries in, in moments that don't matter. You just you just don't do it. It's just not worth it. But tonight he did it, and I just I don't know how that how he uh, let that happen. Um, I've been saying since the summer that we needed to trade Kuz. I don't think we need to trade Kuz. Once again, this is Kuz wasn't the issue tonight. <laughs> he made some bad decisions. 
But that's not the issue tonight. I want to point out something to you tonight, okay? Outside of AD, he was our second highest scorer tonight, okay? AD literally doubled him in points, 16 to 32. But look, but look at the rest. Look at, I just want to point out the rest of the team. Not, a, not another person had double digits. McGee with seven. Avery Bradley with six. Rondo with five. Green with five. Dudley with two, which was very weird. Howard with eight. Cook with two, which I didn't expect that to happen. Seven points from Troy Daniels. Six from Caldwell Pope. Eight from Alice Caruso. So, like, Kuz wasn't the problem tonight, okay? Kuz was not the problem tonight. Now, with that being said, was he he, he actually, this, this was crazy. You can't even say his defense was an issue. The man had two blocks tonight, which is more than what majority of the people on the team had. JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis had two had two blocks, and then it was it was Kyle Kuzma. Okay, so he wasn't the issue tonight. Um, now I've been seeing people saying that this is this is good trade value now that he's playing up. He's starting to he's starting to get a rhythm. If he stays consistent like that, could he be a trade piece? I do not believe that you're going to see Kuz on the block. I don't I don't see it. I think you're going to see people like Troy Daniels on the block. I think you're going to see people like Quinn Cook on the block. If there is a trade. If there is a trade, the issue is, is that nobody's contract makes sense in a trade. So I, I, I don't know, but but Kuz is probably not getting traded. His contract doesn't match up with who, who could replace him with higher value, um, number one. And then number two, they, they made a lot of investment in him by by sitting off the other guys and keeping him, okay? By keeping him, that they, they were making a, a subliminal statement about their belief in this kid. Now, is he off the table? I don't think he's off the table, but I just don't see any scenario where he's getting traded. I just I just don't see it. The only thing weird, George Santiago, is why uh, Danny Green is not getting much PT. Danny Green's not getting much PT because he fouls a lot, right? He generally fouls, uh, and he hasn't really been producing as much. So... I, I, and I'm assuming when you say that you're saying Danny Green. Um, <clears throat> but tonight he played 18 minutes. So it wasn't like he didn't get a, a, a ton of, you know, he, he, he didn't get um, short-ended on the, on the playing time side. But it does show that, listen, you got to play. Now, he hasn't lost his starter minutes, but he's kind of in the same uh, boat as JaVale McGee. They're going to play around 18 to 20 minutes. You're going to start off the game. If you're hot, if you're doing your thing, you'll probably get more minutes. But they're going to use that first quarter to find out mm, how much should I really use you. And then, especially now that Kuz is coming and starting to get his rhythm back and coming back, <clears throat> you're probably going to see Danny Green's minutes start to waver a little bit. Because if you have somebody who's scoring 16 off the bench, but you have a starter who's only scoring 5, it, 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 you, need, you need offensive production in a night where you have no LeBron. It kind of makes more sense to, to, to let Kuzma play. Um, uh, free Iggy. Hashtag Free Iggy. That's from Yehuda Flom. I really hope I'm pronouncing this right. You have to give me the phonetic spelling of that. Uh, free Iggy. Yeah, I made that comment tonight, and some people were like, Iggy's not saving this offense, and Iggy's not saving this team. I, didn't, I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about the perimeter defense because it just seemed like whenever they decided to shoot the three, like I said, we were very close in the percentage of our threes. But it just felt like they hit theirs at the right time. And I'm like, man, those are the nights that Iggy is able to, to shut down three-point shooting. I don't care about Iggy's offense as much. I only care about that when it comes to the clutch, uh, clutch moments in the playoffs. What I care about is his ability to play defense. And this is, this is one of the things that stuck out to me so glaringly tonight. <clears throat> when you look at our, our, our entire roster, the, the people who don't get the run are the shortest people on the team. Okay? Troy Daniels. Quinn Cook. These are guys that you don't normally uh, see going. I think Quinn Cook uh, is 6'1", okay? Quinn Cook is 6'1". 
uh, um, him not having length made a difference tonight. There was two plays where they ran a pick and roll, and, and Cook made the right rotation. He literally went over and switched when he was supposed to. And they, they didn't have to dump pass it. They passed directly over his head because the, because the, the offensive player was that much taller than Quinn Cook. If you put, uh, if you put uh, 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 Iggy there or you put somebody who's at least 6'5 in that position, it makes a difference. It sounds like it's only four inches, but you're talking about wingspan, like a THT, like a talent. His wingspan, like these, th- that's where those moments matter. But there's nothing Quinn Cook could have done because he didn't have the length. Uh, that's starting to become glaringly obvious when we put in short guards against these teams. Uh, it, it reminds me of kind of like when Isaiah Thomas was playing for the Lakers. As good as he was offensively, it was such a liability on pick and rolls because all you had to do was just switch him over to a bigger defender, and that was it. You didn't have to struggle after that. And there were too many times that we saw our smalls up against their bigs, okay? Plumlee and Jokic would get the switch, and there's nothing you could do. How many times did we see Rondo, KCP, Cook in the paint trying to guard the bigs? Because the pick and roll, man, and I think length, if there's anything that we need, is to shore up the length in our depth. Because without without that, it becomes super obvious, especially when we're such a lengthy team. Um <clears throat> Defenetic, they could use another playmaker. Cook didn't do himself any favors today. No, I don't think we all know. Just based upon minutes and usage, if there's any two people that would get, let's let's just say that Iggy does get bought out by the Memphis Grizzlies or whatever team he can be traded to. It, the first person, we, we have to cut somebody in order to make room for Iggy. I guarantee you it will either be Cook or Daniels who are getting who are getting cut. Because it just, it, it's just glaring. And now I would I would almost assume Cook would be the one because even tonight, Troy Daniels in the corner, he becomes a three-point threat. He's obviously a liability on defense, but he's a three-point threat. Far more consistent than Cook is, okay? Uh, so <clears throat> tonight, Cook did not do him any favors as far as the trade market goes. Or Once again, not even being traded, just being cut. If Iggy gets free, expect Cook to get cut. That's 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 my prediction, okay? Joseph, I'm managing my expectations right now. They may be 24 and 6. But let's worry about making the playoffs first. Um, I, I don't think that you gotta understand. Like for them to not make the playoffs, they would have to lose a considerable amount of games. Like even if right now, even if they went five hundred over the next uh, uh, for the rest of the season, they would still be in the fifty wins category. So I'm not I'm not worried about the playoffs as much. I, I, what I'm more worried about is I'm I'm more worried about how they're going to walk into the playoffs. Um, for them not to make the playoffs, something has to go horribly wrong. And I mean, even outside of expectations, if our club lost half of their games going forward, we would still probably make the playoffs. But but if, if like an injury happens like Christmas Day last year, like that's the kind of stuff that can kind of set you back because it's obvious if you lose a LeBron or you lose an AD and we've and we've had we've had both of them out now, if you lose one or the other, it, it, this offense looks completely different. This defense looks completely different. The flow of everything looks completely different. We need them both. So, you know, I, I don't anticipate us. I understand managing expectations. I'm, I'm not there yet. My expectations are playoffs. That's 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 in the bag. As far as championship, we have to make some adjustments because when we get to these playoffs, okay, Kawhi's playing every game. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. These Western Conference teams are waking up. OKC is now above 500, okay? And I'm not saying that they're going to be a huge threat, but I'm just saying, like, the Mavs are finding themselves. 
It's just you got to start looking at this. Like these these teams, the Rockets are still a threat. So we have to be able to, to hold up against three-point shooting, to be able to, to protect the paint and not foul. Once again, we're in the top five when it comes down to points allowed, fewest points allowed. So that's good. But but as the as the as the season progresses, I want to see if we stay consistent in these statistical categories that keep us. I think we're third when it comes to assists. But tonight we were horrible with the assists, mainly because uh, um, uh, LeBron was out. But I think tonight our assist total was 18. Like that's that's. I mean, it's cool. But eight of those assists came from Rondo. So as a team, outside of Rondo, as a team, and everybody played tonight, as a team, you had uh, eight from Rondo, and then you had one from Talon, who was in there for three for three minutes. That means that only nine more assists and for the rest of the game came from the rest of your rest of your players. That's not going to cut it, okay? That's not not when you not when you pride yourself on being a ball movement team. So th- those are the kind of expectations I'm waiting to see. Once again, though. I'm waiting until All-Star break. Trade deadline, All-Star break, right in that area is when I'm expecting to see what this team is really going to be. Uh, George Santiago, legit crazy, but no one is getting him shots besides for Braun. I think this is going back to something George Santiago thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> um, Danny Green. So one of the things you, that we talked about tonight uh, on Twitter, and you probably saw that kind of in the timeline as the game was going on, was the idea of spacing. The idea of spacing. The Lakers do have a bunch of shooters, um, but we have a lot of streaky shooters. And so <clears throat> in the starting lineup tonight, you had Danny Green, Rondo, Avery Bradley, McGee, and Davis. Having Avery Bradley in instead of KCP made a huge difference in spacing because Avery Bradley is not really known as a three-point shooter, even though he hit a couple tonight. What he's really known for is his defense and his mid-range. Okay? KCP is known for his three-point. Obviously, in this, in this season, it's been the corner three for him that's been so consistent. So what happens is that when you have KCP in, it, it, it keeps the defense honest on the perimeter shooting. When you don't, they can all collapse in. So you have a JaVale McGee, right, who hit a three tonight, but obviously that's not his game. <clears throat> you have an Anthony Davis who's been in, tremendous in the interior. And now you have an Avery Bradley who's known for his mid-range. So the entire defense can just collapse into the middle while your outside perimeter shooting is like they left Rondo open plenty of times tonight. And when Danny Green is not hitting, you leave him open. So... Spacing was an issue tonight, and so it was the, the reason why Danny Green was kind of valuable in his minutes was because he was able to pass the ball. He only had two assists, but what it does is <clears throat> he's not hitting, but but defenses still have to rush him or, or run him off the line. So when he draws the defender out, they can swing pass and eventually get the ball back into the middle, which is what they did. Um, so, you know, like I said, it, it's it, tonight was one of those anomalies that I don't like, but Danny Green has to be more consistent um, in his shooting. Uh, he wasn't at fault necessarily, or the reason we lost, but he doesn't fit on this team. I think, I think, I think you have a point. I think you do have a point. If he does not figure out how to fit, then he, then it makes more sense to trade him. But the upside, if he does learn how to fit, oh excuse me, I'm dealing with a cold. <clears throat> if he does learn how to fit, if he can figure that out, whew, the upside is too great. So you ride it out for a little bit to figure this out. For me, I'm gonna give him a season. I'll give him a full season, especially because no summer. He's been injury, injury prone. And to be honest, I, I what I saw towards the end when he banged heads, but I think it was uh, Beasley. He might have a concussion, so he might, <laughs> they have said nothing about it. But I, I've just seen when people bang heads like that. 
uh, generally that hurts a little bit longer than than they anticipate, um, and that and that can end up being a concussion. So he's been injury prone, injury prone, injury prone, injury prone. So we don't know. We don't know. We we don't know how it's going to work. Um, uh, the bench turns over the ball more than they score. How do you do that, Luna <laughs> Monza? Um, I don't know, man. Like, well, uh, let's. I mean, let's be honest though. Our our leading turnover uh, average is LeBron. To be honest, <clears throat> LeBron averages four turnovers a game. Okay, so um, mainly because he handles the ball so much. But the next one is is Rondo with two. So so to be honest, it's 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 really weird because the team in total. Turns over a lot. We had 19 turnovers tonight, and five of them came from Anthony Davis, one from JaVel McGee, two from Rondo, two from Green. So just that by itself, 10 of those 19 turnovers came from the starters. And I mean, I know technically Rondo wouldn't be a starter, uh, but 10 of those turnovers came from the starters tonight. So, and just to be honest, a lot of production came from the bench. 16, 2, 8, 2, 7, 6, 8. So a lot of your scoring outside of Anthony Davis came from your bench. So so tonight, I know it felt, it, a lot of the, it felt different. But when you look at the statistics, it wasn't as bad as it looked. It just looked really bad. But statistically, it wasn't as bad. We shot uh, 47% uh, from the field when the Nuggets shot 48%. <clears throat> uh, we shot 34% from three. The Nuggets shot 34% from three. And they only shot one more three than we did. The, the biggest difference that we saw was in uh, the free throw shooting. They shot 90%. We shot 72. And then in the turnover ratio, they only had eight turnovers versus our 19. But once again, our starting lineup committed more turnovers than their entire team. So that, we got to put it back into perspective. As bad as the bench might have looked, it was nowhere near as bad as the starters were. Um, and that's saying something because the starting lineup only has five people and the rest of your bench is the rest of the team. And for the starting lineup to have more turnovers than the rest of the team combined is, is a bad, is bad. <clears throat> um, uh, Bradley is useless on offense. He, he generally is not. And I think part of this, even him starting tonight was trying to get him back into the swing of things and trying it out. I think you're going to see KCP back in the starting lineup on Christmas day. That's my personal opinion. The only way that, it, that you won't see KCP in the starting lineup is if um, uh, Bradley has turned on another level of defense during practice, okay? That's the only thing I can think of for me. Um, I, I don't see any other reason why he would be starting because <clears throat> KCP is just too valuable. Once again, we're, we're noticing another trend. When KCP is in the game, he's generally averaging double digits when he starts in the game. When he comes off the bench, he's right back to where he was before. What was he tonight? Six points. That's not the normal KCP. But what we've normally seen is when he starts and he gets his run. And tonight would have been the perfect night with LeBron out. Him not being able to get his run obviously has an, uh, uh, some sort of um, uh, effect on him. Because he had 25, point, 25 minutes that he played versus Avery Bradley's 21. So <clears throat> it's not like he wasn't getting minutes and that's why his points were low. His points were low simply because he just doesn't play well off the bench. Uh, Showtime for Jonathan Watson is here, Broham. Dynamic duo. We riding again, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Lakers need to make a trade for a backup point guard ASAP. DJ Augustine, maybe, or Shrouder from OKC. You're not getting Shrouder from OKC. Shrouder, you're not getting him at all. You're not. OKC is not putting him on the block. Um, he was tremendous in their win tonight, and he's been tremendous for them. Uh, at, once again, don't look for trades because our contracts don't make sense. It just doesn't. You would have to empty out half of your bench just to get one player. 
And to be honest, DJ Augustine is not worth half of your bench. It's not going to happen, guys. What you're seeing right now, unless players get bought out, right, and we start cutting, which I, I'm not sure. Is Augustine even playing right now? I'm not even sure is he on, if he's on a team or not. Somebody let me know in the chat. But but don't look for trades. Don't look for trades at all, okay? Um, and to be honest, your issue is not point guard. It sort of is. But because LeBron runs point guard, point guard is not really your quote-unquote issue. You need a ball handler. So don't think point guard. Just think somebody who can handle the ball. And with Rondo and him averaging the most assists, I, you know, I, I guess you could use a third point guard, right? I, I guess you could use that. But what you would really need is a valuable backup to LeBron who has size, length, and is able to defend. Uh, that would mean more. Because even when your offense stutters, this is a defensive-minded team. If they don't hang their hat on defense, don't ever look for their offense to be the thing that wins us a championship. It will not, it will not be that. Not underneath Frank Vogel. We are a defensive-minded team. So if you need anything that you're going to trade for, it would be for another defensive person. But, once again, none of our contracts make sense. There are too many people who have too many restrictions, like a KCP can't be traded, a Rondo can't be traded. Like, these people can't be traded. And then the people that you can trade, their contracts don't make enough money to make it make sense. And if it does, it doesn't really make sense to trade all of that for one person. Just uh, Blake St. Clair, just like when AD was out, the veteran needed to stand up in LeBron's presence but were left wanting. Yeah, <clears throat> these veterans were not brought in to, um, to be takeover kings in a sense. I, I see what you're saying, Blake. They're not really brought in to ensure that um, that scoring keeps up and all this stuff. They're really just there to, uh, to add on to LeBron and AD. You take AD and LeBron off, these people are not valuable, okay? This was kind of the, the reason why the, the Kawhi signing was such a, a huge hit for us. We... Rob Polinka was able to put together a dynamic roster that works when everybody's together and it's clicking. <clears throat> it's one of the most unstoppable rosters, as crazy as that sounds, right? When everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, we're healthy and we're playing. But you don't have like a Lou Williams, okay? So we missed out on some of those players. We missed out on those like Seth Curry's and people that you could like rely on to come in and score off the bench. We, we That's not what we did. We got veterans who can supplement and think the way LeBron thinks, but they don't necessarily have the talent. So that LeBron can LeBron can easily throw a, a, a pass to a, a Dudley who just knows where to be, right? Um, and, and another weird stat, this is a complete side note, that they said this on TV tonight, I did not know this. Jared Dudley has not made one two-point shot this season. He's the only player in the NBA who has yet to hit a two-pointer <laughs> while playing at least 10 games. That's crazy. All of his shots have been from three. But when you're playing with LeBron and you know your role, there's no reason why Jared Dudley should be coming into the paint. No reason why he should be shooting mid-range. No reason to pump fake, none of that. Jared Dudley knows his role. Stand out on the perimeter, let, let LeBron drive, and kick it back out. But when you have veterans, they know that and they don't complain. When you have a Kuzma who's still trying to figure out himself, he's trying to figure out, do I drive in? Do I not drive in? I can score better when, when LeBron and AD are not in the game and all that stuff. That's the difference between a veteran and and um, and a young person like like Kuzma. Kuzma's trying to be the missing LeBron, right? He's trying to be the missing AD. When they're not there, I need to step up. That's not what veterans are thinking. Veterans are thinking, I work best when AD and LeBron are in or when I'm carrying something. That's why the staggering rotation between AD and LeBron is so important because the veterans know how to play. Rondo plays best when he's playing with AD. LeBron plays best when he's obviously playing with everybody else. And so like a lot of these veterans that are put around them are maximized when those two stars are in the game. 
Uh, SEHMUFC, is this a, a lot? Is this a loss? A big worry since our roster just lacks so much depth now? No, not really. The, the entire offense, the entire roster was set to be built around AD and LeBron. Not one or the other, but both, really. Okay? And that the second unit comes in when they're supposed to to operate best. And so you, if you go back and watch these games, Vogel has been pretty consistent with his rotations when both LeBron and AD are playing. <clears throat> when one of them is injured or one of them is out for an extended period of time, then that's when you start noticing, like, I don't really know if we have any depth because the team is not maximizing their depth um, when the stars are out, right? This is one of the differences. I'm going to keep bringing up the Clippers because they have one of the deepest benches. This is why their team is built differently. Their team, uh, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, are not maximized when Paul George and Kawhi are on the floor. They are maximized when they're off the floor. Our roster is the flip of that. Our players play best when LeBron or AD are on the floor. And so uh, our depth is best is basically shown when everybody is running. But you take one of the key cogs out, and we don't run as well. It's one of the reasons why the Raptors were able to win the championship and go and have such a, a great a winning record when Kawhi was out was because their bench was made that when the stars are not there, we can win. Okay, but but that's not how our roster is configured. Our roster is configured of people with low with uh, with with low uh, expectations, if you will, outside of LeBron. And, uh, and AD. So KCP is going to be maximized when LeBron is on the floor. Um, uh, uh, you're going to see the best of Troy Daniels. Jared, you're going to see the best of these guys. Even Alex Caruso is best when he has a LeBron that's there. Because notice that tonight, Alex Caruso only shot one three. When generally when LeBron is in the game, you'll see, you'll see Caruso not only shooting threes, but making threes more efficiently because he just plays, he's maximized better. That's how our roster is configured. So I don't want to say we lack depth. We just lack uh, valuable scoring without stars. So I, I, guess you could say, I guess you could say that's not that's no depth, but we'll see. Uh, is AD injured? I haven't seen anything yet. I'm, uh, I'm, I've been checking Twitter uh, pretty consistently, but I don't see anything. Um, he obviously is hurt. Now, that that this we know. Him hyperextending that knee was something, was something crazy. Um, um, I don't know uh, what... The extent of that injury is, I mean, we've seen people who's, who've had um, uh, hyperextensions and stuff like that, and we've seen people who come back. He obviously, he came right back in the game and, and, and scored as soon as he came back in. Um, I, I don't know what that, uh, what that means long term, but uh, according to Mike Trudell, uh, Vogel was asked about AD, and he said AD tweaked it. <clears throat> but that he felt good enough to go back in the game. We'll see what Davis says in the locker room in a bit. So they're still waiting to see. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. It looked it looked bad. It looked like he shouldn't even be trying to get back in the game. But obviously, he came back in the game. So Joseph, great question. We'll find out more. We're a poor defensive team on the perimeter. Can't hit threes and have no depth at guard or the three. You know, I thought the same thing. And that's from your B1 AI. I think is what it is. Um, I thought the same thing, but the, the Lakers actually on perimeter defense are not as bad as, as I thought. Um, somebody brought it to my attention. I think we're like top 10 in, in perimeter defense or something crazy like that. I'm, I'm trying to look it up right now, but somebody actually showed me that and it made my, it made my, my head hurt. Um, cause I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So I, I'm going to look that up while I'm going through these other questions. But, um, listen, I, I, once again, a lot of it looks worse because a lot of these things happen on runs, okay? When you see teams hitting threes consistently, you think they're making more threes than you. 
But tonight they only made one more three than us. When 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 you see the uh, the the Lakers uh, or you see teams going on runs, you think they're shooting a better field goal percentage than us. But tonight we were almost even with our field goal percentage. So it's 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 really it's really more about what you're seeing. And as a fan, we tend to look at things with a much harder uh, um, um, uh, microscope on our team than we do the other. So all we see on the other team is, hey man, like like y'all suck right now. And and for the most part during runs we do. But there's a reason why we've only lost six games so far this season. It's because as bad as it may look, we're still doing something. I, I'm just now pulling it up right now. Um, this is this is this is really bananas. Uh, blocks per game were number one. Steals per game were number two. Field goal percentage were number one in the NBA in field goal percentage. That it, like we're, we're shooting 48 percent. Now, now, and, and when you look at a game like we saw tonight, you would never think that we're number one in field goal percentage, but we are. Uh, now, here, now, here's what's crazy. You would think with our length, we'd be top five rebounds. We're not even top five rebounds. Uh, <clears throat> we're not top five assists. We're not top five points per game, but we're top five field goal percentage. So what does that mean? We don't score a lot, but when we do score, we're efficient with our scoring. So it's it's just, it's it's stuff like that. So I'm, I'm going to pull up. I'm, I'm looking right now for that stat because I'm very interested to know how bad our perimeter, our perimeter shooting is. But uh, for us, what I what I like to see is um, is that these. What I want to see is how do we bounce back um, from games like this? Okay, how do we bounce back from games like this? Um, uh, oof, man, we are not we are not that great. <laughs> we are not that great. I'm still it's still loading up. Let me go on to the next question while I'm, while I'm loading that up. Um, George Santiago, I think the energy went out when Lakers saw AD is hurt. That's when we lost the rebound battle. Yeah. I mean, it means something to you. You know, when you're a team that you're coming into the game and you're like, you know what? We're going to feed AD tonight. LeBron is out. LeBron, we're going to win this game for you. And then you see AD slip, who's already hurting, right? He was already grabbing his ribs because those are still injured. Uh, we're not, I, I think his shoulder's pretty much back to normal. But then you see him hyperextend his knee and you're going, yo, man, like, like, now you're starting to question, can we really do this without AD? We, we had to hype ourselves up to do it without LeBron. Now you're asking us to hype ourselves up to do it without LeBron and, and AD. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough row to, to, to handle right there. So, you know, I, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of the energy went out, and, and, and justfully so. I mean, these guys ride for their stars. They have no issue with the pecking order. They know exactly how they're going to get to the championship, and it's going to be because of LeBron, James, and AD. So... Uh, I think uh, that's when we lost the rebound battle. Yeah, yeah, that's how we lost. Laker Metropolis, what's up with our perimeter D? Um, I was just talking about that, man. I, you know, it's it's one of those things, man, where it's like, I think it's done loading up. It's one of those things where you you really don't know. It, it, it just like it just looks it just looks worse. I can't I can't say it enough. It just looks worse when you're watching it. When you're watching this team play, and you're watching how. Um, how they let teams, you know, do what they do and come in and do all that stuff. It, it just it, it makes it feel like, um, like 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 we're we're horrible at certain at certain aspects of the game. But the truth is, we're not really as bad as it looks. Um, what we are is we're inconsistent, and I think that's the biggest issue. If we were more consistent, it would make more sense. But as of right now, we're just not consistent, and it shows. And it shows. So uh, I'm looking here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, for the most part, we're almost top 10 in, in, in most categories, right? Um, so we rank fifth in, in opponent's field goal percentage. 
We rank fifth. We rank fifth. So that means that we're playing some sort of defense. <laughs> Once again, guys, don't let this one game change the fact that we have been tremendous defensively. It's the only thing people have been talking about. And <clears throat> when you have a lapse in that, it doesn't mean that we're horrible. It just means that we had a horrible game. Um, and we've lost three games in a row. So it just everything has just been compounded. But once again, we're still top five in, in points allowed or top five in percentages allowed. And then we're number one in our own field goal percentage. So as bad as we shot tonight and as bad as we played defense tonight, we're still in the top five in both categories of how much we allow teams to score versus how much we how efficient we are with our own scoring. So um, we still need to pay attention to that because the issue is, is that teams – go on run. So we can hold them down. We held the team to 23 points in the first quarter. They, The Nuggets have been the hottest team in the NBA over the last five games. Okay, We held them to 23 points. The issue is that defense did not hold for the next three quarters. And so the Nuggets would go on runs and go on runs. And we would try to outpace them with our scoring. So every time they scored, we'd push the ball up. And <clears throat> we would push the ball up. And if we did not score, they would come back. And then they would just hit these runs. And so it, it just it, it, it doesn't help your defense in general when you allow the team to go out on runs uh, literally with just we're, we're shooting the ball with short clocks, turning over the ball 19 times. When you when you double their turnover ratio, that means that they're having fast break points or they're having they're having the, uh, the numbers advantage on the other end. So, of course, they're, it's going to look worse than what it is. So with that being said, we have to be careful not to allow the fact that we're top five to make us have a lapse in judgment um, in, in our defense because we can fall out of that. If they keep playing the way they played tonight over over the next 10 games, we can be in trouble. But I think they're going to correct that. I think if there's anything Frank Vogel's going to correct, it's defense, not offense tonight. Um, we got outscored 73-51 in the second half. Exactly. Exactly. That's it right there. Doing great the first half. Okay? <clears throat> it, was really, it was really still a game in the first half. Anthony Davis, even on that last second putback, put us within, I think it was about two points. Coming out of that second half, which is normally where we excel, we did not excel tonight. Uh, how bad are the injuries of AD and LeBron? Not bad. I, I think if you if you have a chance, go check out Lakers film room. Excuse me, go check out Lakers film room. He did a whole video on LeBron's injury. <clears throat> LeBron's injury is serious, but not but not not crazy. We're not talking like extended. Uh, amount of time. It's going to be more about playing it by ear. Uh, he also mentioned that once again, LeBron got injured a game before this one, two games before this one. He got injured in Indiana, and then and then he played through the rest of Indiana and played with the Bucks. Okay, played against the Bucks. So what you're probably seeing is the is the um, is the staff going, okay, listen, this is probably if you if you really want to be healthy for Christmas Day, you need to sit this one out. And he just listened. That's my personal opinion. I think I think it's a serious enough injury to pay attention to. I don't think it's a serious enough injury to think that our season is in jeopardy. That that's the way I'm feeling. AD is obviously still playing, but um, I'm so glad that we don't play again for a little bit because we need we need these next few days to figure it out before we get to Christmas Day. Um, and you already know the energy is going to be high. The building going to be rocking. Uh, TV ratings are going to be through the roof. This is the stuff that AD came to LA for was to play these kind of games. So you already know the mindset. <clears throat> they've been showing on replay Giannis putting the crown on his head, saying that I wear this now. All that stuff, like like that, like the statement for LeBron and AD is going to be on Christmas Day. We've all been waiting for it. And now it's their time to prove it. Winning on Christmas Day is going to make this three-game losing streak uh, um, 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 permissible. It'll be easier to go, okay. <clears throat> but to lose a fourth in a row to the Clippers on Christmas Day, 
Can't happen. I would rather LeBron sit out this game like he did tonight and be ready for Christmas Day than us winning tonight and then losing again on Christmas Day because he's still injured. That's my thought. Um, Bex and Curry. It baffles me. Green doesn't take more shots, especially in games without AD or LeBron. It, it's the truth. Um, he's always been streaky by nature. I think he needs to see it go in once in order for him to continue to shoot. Uh, but tonight he just wasn't aggressive enough. The most aggressive person on the floor tonight outside of Anthony Davis was Alex Caruso. Um, next would be Kuz. But <clears throat> Kuz was just much more efficient. Uh, the, more efficient than, than Alex Caruso. Caruso made all his points at the free throw line. Kuz was doing damage. Uh, obviously, he did. A, he hit a three, and then he was able to drive to the paint some. So, um, I would. I wish I would have seen Danny Green shoot more. Um, and uh, and I think I think once he gets going, he's pretty much unstoppable. But and the same for Troy Daniels. Troy Daniels and Danny Green are pretty much the same person. If they can make threes and they get on a streak, there's nothing you can do. Once again, Troy Daniels hit eight threes in a game one time. Okay, eight threes in a game. So he he's known to be streaky. Okay, Danny Green is known to be clutch, but Trey Dan is known to be, be streaky. So once you get those guys going, it's good. But when they're not aggressive and they're not shooting, it, it doesn't help. Um, uh, Braun made his MVP case tonight without even having to play. Been hearing AD most valuable for us. Well, I'm going to be honest. Um, <clears throat> the difference is this. AD had four blocks tonight and 32 points. Like... Um, it depends on how you look at MVP. Most valuable player to the team may not lead you in points, may not obviously lead you in blocks, may not even be a great defender. Um, <clears throat> but, like, for instance, would you consider, looking at the Clippers, would you consider Kawhi their most valuable player? Because they tend to lose more when he's out. Like, they lost again tonight. His defense wasn't on the floor. But Paul George has been much more consistent at playing, not only playing time, but his shooting efficiency and his defense. So, so who would you consider the most valuable player? The person who, who matters more in the wins and losses, like when he's absent, they lose more, or <clears throat> the person is more efficient when they're on the floor. And that's kind of what you see with AD or Braun. When Braun is out, we obviously lose. When AD is on the court, though, good Lord, he's unstoppable. 32 and four blocks tonight, guys. That's insane. Like, 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 we don't even think about the fact that he scored plus 30 again. That dude was eight points away from scoring 40 again, right? Like, we don't, it doesn't, he's already had a 40-point game. He's already had a 50-point game. Like, when you think about these things, it's just a matter of how you value players. So I can see your case there. I wouldn't be mad if, if people call Braun MVP. But I also would not say it's laughable that AD would be considered a, uh, um, MVP, considering how he's been playing. Uh, George Santiago, we need to implement more offense, uh, more sets on offense. We rely too much on LBJ, Rondo, and AD. If they go out, we lost. That is very true. We spent so much time early in the season focusing on defense. Uh, I've been saying it over and over again. The the offensive implementations are, are are slowly being rolled in. We've only seen three real consistent sets that they run, and a lot of them have to do with runoff screens <clears throat> or curl screens uh, for the shooting guards, for uh, KCP, or even sometimes depending on 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 how the how the rotation is going, it could be an Avery Bradley or it could be a Rondo. But for the most part, if you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of curl screens. As they curl around, you're going to see the big go to the basket and alley-oops. We saw zero alley-oops like that tonight, okay? And the reason why is because LeBron operates that so well. When LeBron is holding the ball, he demands a double team. When he demands a double team, it allows one of the shooting guards, one of the, wing, uh, one of the wings to come across uh, and, and pull their man onto a curl screen, which forces the big, which, which forces the big 
to look for the pass coming over. And once you see, once once the other big sees our big looking for the lob, they instantly take their their eyes off of the curl screen guard. And so it's it's just one of those it's one of those things that we can run off with so well, which is why we abuse it with LBJ, with Rondo, and with AD. But when you don't have those people who are able to set those things up, it 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 it, it leaves your offense stagnant. Because without the curl screen, you have no lobs. Think about that. Like, 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 like. I, I don't even think Dwight had a lob tonight, um, which is crazy to think about it. Like on a game like tonight, like this would have been perfect for him, but wasn't happening. Um, Leonard Buchanan, Leonard H. Buchanan, one injuries are here. Yeah, as they should be. They're here for they're here for almost every team, guys. Like the injury bug is gonna hit you, especially when you have a team this old or who plays this many minutes. It's gonna happen. Like that. I don't think any of us thought that there was gonna be no injuries the entire season. That, that's unheard of, okay? What I do like is that we're getting it early so that we can work this stuff out now. We, we did what we were supposed to do in the first 25 games, first 20 games or so. We got ourselves a good lead. Um, we're, still first in the, we're still first in the division, first in the conference, uh, So and we're only second in the league as far as wins and losses. So we've gave ourselves enough of a cushion. The idea now is that you can, you can adjust now to the injury bug and then come out swinging when you guys get healthy. That's what you want. You want to finish strong. Uh, as opposed to running, doing great, doing great, doing great, getting to the last, and then you're injured going into the playoffs. Uh, Leonard HB Cannon one, a point guard is needed. Bronze, Bron needs to freelance. Um, <clears throat> it's not it's pretty clear. Bron's gonna be running point. If Bron's playing, he's point. Period. Um, I, the, he he's just too good of a passer, man. The dude is like, I think he's leading the league in assists and assist average. Um, he, he's just, he sees the floor too well. He passes too well. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, another point guard is needed in a sense, but I, I don't think it's for the purpose of letting LeBron go off and, and freelance. I think it's really more to back up Bron when he's not there, which is what Rondo was signed for was to be the person with court vision to pass, but he hasn't been as consistent with that. Pathetic play. Crusoe was the only one with energy. Well, I mean, Kuz had energy tonight. Um, um, it, it was one of those things where it was the, the motivation and the energy, if that makes sense. I hope you guys understand what I mean when I say that. Um, when you're energetic in, in general, uh, like for instance, tonight, <clears throat> the Nuggets energy picked up once they had us up against the ropes. Once they were up by double digits, you saw the steals go up, you saw their defense go up because they, they played more free, they had more energy because they felt like the game was in hand. But when the Lakers are getting beat down, you can have energy, but your but your motivation behind the energy is like, well, let me just be energetic because I need to give energy, as opposed to I want to give energy, so I want to beat this team down. Very rarely, like like tonight, you saw our, with Toronto. Toronto had a thirty point comeback, most in, in uh, NBA franchise. I mean, in uh, Toronto franchise history, uh, we haven't seen a thirty point comeback in the last ten years. They did that because in their minds, their motivation for energy was to win the game, but. We didn't have that energy tonight because we had no, we had, in our minds, we weren't going to win the game. When you haven't played uh, the whole game and then all of a sudden the coach throws you in like the end of the, of the third quarter, I'm talking about like Troy Daniels, your mindset is not to go in there and try to win the game. Your mindset is to go in there to make sure that you show that you have some value on this team. So that his energy is completely different. Caruso's energy is, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to hustle every single play. Um, but, but the team didn't have that, like, let's stomp them out energy tonight because they didn't have it. They didn't have it. And they also didn't have the comeback energy because AD was hurt. LeBron is hurt. And there, and nobody in there has really an alpha mentality. Really. It's just Braun. AD kind of is gaining an alpha mentality, but it's really not there yet. So, you know, the energy is not really going to be there because you have nobody to pull you up out of that. Okay. 
Um, <clears throat> George Santiago, would it be wise to give AC longer leash on playing, playmaking than relying uh, much on Rondo? Yes. The issue is that you have much more of um, sample size with Rondo because Rondo's played with LeBron more. Rondo's obviously played with AD more. And listen, if, if Boogie was here, then you're looking at literally the Pelicans from like two years ago. You're looking at like AD, Cousins, and, and Rondo. And so like those are things that coaches think about. It's like, man, who can I trust in these lineups to work well? And Caruso is high energy. Caruso is defensive-minded. I'm, I'm probably the biggest Caruso fan you ever going to see. I've been talking about Caruso since he was in the G League, right? But the issue is, is that if I'm looking at it and I'm going, man, if I'm a, if I'm a defensive-minded coach, yes, I want ACN. But if I know my offense is struggling, oh, man, he's great on the defensive end, but I really, really need someone to score some or to facilitate offense. Rondo had, Rondo had eight assists tonight. Caruso didn't score outside of the free throw line. So it's just a matter of how you want to dance with those lemons. Um, I, I don't know. Me personally, I would give AC more, but that's because I'm thinking purely out of my motivation of how much I love AC more than I love Rondo. But once again, coaches obviously see something that we don't see. Uh, uh, muscle strain sounds hard to get rid of. Al Sakusic, yeah. It does sound crazy. Um, but once again, it, he played through it. It got worse, right? Um, so yeah, <clears throat> I, I don't think it's going to hold Brian out, but it is something that we're going to have to monitor. Once again, our whole goal is to get the games done early so that Braun can sit. Let Braun come in. If Braun plays 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, and, and we, and we're up by 20 in the third, end of the third quarter, then you can sit Braun for the fourth. That's the goal, right? But they're averaging, uh, they're averaging, it's actually the lowest average of his, career right now as far as like minutes but it's it, him him playing 32 35 minutes generally is like it's crazy so i don't know how they're gonna treat him come christmas day we have to keep an eye on that i'm keeping an eye on mike trudeau's twitter because that's the guy that i trust when it comes down to laker news um and you guys throw something in the chat to let me know um oh yeah this is this is a great quote from kyle kuzma uh, uh, they asked about his uh, mentality being difficult to uh, um, to apply uh, to LeBron, and basically what they were asking was like, how do you how do you become that LeBron? And he says it's kind of hard to next man up LeBron, quote unquote, because he does so much, and that's what we saw tonight. Like LeBron facilitates, LeBron can drive, LeBron can hit the three from halfway in El Segundo. So you know he a lot of that was missing tonight, and a lot of what Ron does is he's able to control the game so that the other team's runs don't get out of control. But listen, it, it just I, I don't know how they're going to treat him with this with this injury, but I'm I'm praying it's not that bad. Uh, Lincoln Metropolis Orlando Magic's Orlando Magic's <laughs> uh, Jamal Crawford would be nice. Um, Jamal Crawford would be a great scorer, but once again, I'm gonna keep saying it to you guys. Uh, this is from Kobe24, v, uh, VIP Kobe24. Frank Vogel is a defensive-minded coach, and you got to remember this, okay? It's the same thing like with Popovich. Popovich is not looking to recruit scorers. He's looking to recruit system guys, guys who can play well inside of a system. Foreign players obviously has been his, uh, his MO. Um, but <clears throat> in, in certain coaches' systems, you're not looking so much for scorers, right? In Toronto, they look for scorers. Pascal Siakam. Kyle Lowry was 30-plus tonight. They're looking for scores, right? But for, like, Frank Vogel, he's like, if you can play defense, I can work with you. So Jamal Crawford 
Jamal Crawford could be like Lou Williams off the bench, right? But our deep, but our but our mindset's a little bit different because we don't have perimeter defense like that. So yeah, Jamal Crawford could probably score forty if you let him if you give him enough minutes. But he's probably also gonna give up forty five. So like it, it's one of those things of like man, like what do you really need? What he's looking for, he's looking for length. He's looking for defense. That that's what Frank Vogel's looking for. If there's anything he's gonna do to bolster this roster, it's gonna be defense and length. Ooh, I'm running late. Blake Sinclair, like I said, a backup point playmaking point guard who can play about 10 minutes in a backup wing that can play about 15 or so minutes a game. That's true. I don't know if that person's out there, <clears throat> a playmaking point guard. I don't think you have one, right? Listen, let, let me also say this, right? A backup wing. Because people were asking why we didn't sign Carmelo. Because obviously Carmelo's been doing fairly decent in Portland. But it's defense. It's it's defense. It, we're, we're thinking playmaking point guards, but Rondo is already a liability. He playmakes. And he's horrible on defense, right? He had a couple of moves. He had a couple of things he did tonight. But for the most part, <clears throat> his defensive efficiency is horrible. So, so you have to think about what, what, am I, what am I really looking for? Am I looking for more scoring to try to outscore the other team? Or am I looking for more consistent defense to stop perimeter shooting? And the, and the thought that I can get scoring and defense from a guard on the free market, not trade, because you're not trading for anybody like that. But, like, somebody that's just getting cut, you're not going to find it, right? Would, would I rather have an Alex Caruso or a Trey Young? Like, oh, man, I obviously wouldn't want to Trey Young. On a defensive-minded team, no, you wouldn't. On a defensive-minded team, Trey Young can score 45 all he wants to, but if he's not holding up the defensive end, you're going to have a record much like the Hawks. And so that is that is the mindset of this coaching staff is I need to find somebody who not only playmaking, yes, but playmake and can defend, and that's where we're suffering the most. Um, uh, Al we need someone that hits threes consistently and plays D. Three and D. A Trevor Ariza in his heyday would have been perfect. Th- 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 those kind of players, right? We'll see. Um, Blake Sinclair is not just the scoring for the veterans. It's more, it's, it's more playing up to the situation. They're professional sportsmen, so it, sh- it really shouldn't be that hard for a game or two. It, it is. It is, man. I'm telling you. I know. It's, it sounds like they should just be able to put it together. But when you, when you, uh, when you bring on a Jared Dudley, right, and <clears throat> when you bring on a Dwight Howard, right, there's only certain things that you're getting them for, and they're not going to give you anything more than that. Jared Dudley is going to – he'll give you some consistent D. He's always been that, but he's there for three-point shooting. Not there for layups, even though he can He can do that. That's not what you sign him for. You did not sign Dwight Howard to be able to play in the paint. You signed him up for alley-oops and blocks. You, you kind of get what I'm saying? So, like, this team was not constructed with veterans who were known to be able to step up. They were known to be able to contribute, but not step up and fill anything. What you see from them is only maximized by their ability to play with other people who can do multiple things. When you can do multiple things like a LeBron or like an AD, you can stretch out. If I'm AD and I can, I can shoot the three, of course that's going to be great for Howard for a putback dunk. Of course it's going to be great for JaVale for a, for a putback dunk. But like if, if you're asking them to not have AD on the floor and ask them to, to be like an actual legitimate big, it ain't going to happen. Avery Bradley is there for defense, period. He made a couple threes tonight, but that's not what you're asking him to do. You're asking him to play defense, period. And if you ask him to do anything above that, you're going to have a problem. If you were to say, hey, hey, listen, Bradley, I need you to come in here. I need you to score like, and just give me at least 10. You're asking too much of Bradley. He might be able to do it, but that's not what he was signed on for. He was signed on literally to play defense. And it's, that's the hard part of how this roster was constructed. 
the good players that we could have got, like the the, the real consistent people, like a, a JJ Reddick who's consistent from three, like these kind of players, quote unquote. You really couldn't do that and get better in men's. Like, you had to spread your salary out. A lot of those players were already gone. And this is about as good as we're going to get with this bench. I'm just telling you that right now. Um, Jordan Santiago, first time Lakers facing adversity this season. With more vets, this is different from last January. Yeah. A three-game losing streak and you still have the number one record, you know, in your conference. That, that doesn't bother me. Especially when you're watching these other teams who are fully loaded and healthy. Dropping games. Okay. Tonight is a disappointment. Tonight hurts. I am not worried in the least bit. When I, when I tell you I'm zero worried, I am zero worried. I'm still expecting to win on Christmas Day. Tonight told me nothing outside of the fact that we needed superstars, which is why we got LeBron and AD, and we almost went crazy when we got them because that's what we need. We need those two. Without those two, it ain't going to happen, guys. We all should know that, right? This game was not winnable uh, with a hobbled AD and no LeBron. It just wasn't possible. It wasn't going to happen. Uh, <clears throat> David says he won't know till the morning. He said two days should be enough time. Yeah, see, the issue is that he didn't go to medical school. So um, I don't really trust his opinion. Players are always going to have the, the, the most positive outcome, uh, outlook. Um, but the truth is we don't know. I, I mean, it, it does matter how he feels in the morning, but I'm, I'm not trusting anything until the medical staff says something. Um, because they just, uh, for the most part, you know, um, they, they're always going to, the players are always going to see it in the most optimistic fashion. So, um, uh, but Sinclair, the roster depth is more a balance problem. One piece is out and it's difficult to cover no matter who it is. We still won with Avery and Kuzma out for a long periods, but that's more how good a, exactly. Blake Sinclair is a perfect example. So our balance is off. Our balance is off. And that's, like I said, this goes back to the Kawhi signing because we missed out on so many players that could have provided balance. We had to go for what was there and then, and then just assume an identity. So whoever was left, we had to go, okay, who's left? We're going to go defensive-minded because the players that could have offered defense and offense, those you didn't have balanced players. And so this roster is really configured based upon playing around two stars as opposed to having great balance. That's a great point, man. Uh, Laguni Mansa, we are number one in field goal percentage. My God, ain't that crazy? Shooting 48%. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. To be honest with you, what what could fix even three of the losses that we've had so far? Not just the, the streak, but three of the six that we've had. If we would have been hitting our free throws at a 90 percent clip, we would have won these games. It makes a difference when you when you make your free throws. It just adjusts everything. <clears throat> when you miss and you're not even top five rebound and, and rebounds, and you miss, that means the other team's getting that ball and they're taking off. And I also want you to notice this: when Anthony Davis or um, pretty much Anthony Davis. When Anthony Davis goes into the paint, goes up, he doesn't get a foul, he doesn't make the shot. Notice how long it takes for him to get back up and get back down the court. When he handles the ball as much as he does and he misses, and mind you, tonight, he missed, I mean, he, he did great. Obviously, he had 32 points, but he missed 10 shots. He went 13 of 23. That means there were 10 shots where, for the most part, he wasn't getting back on defense in time. So he was four on five for 10 of those shots, Okay. Some of those shots were threes. So just th these are small things, right, that, that contribute to how you lose games. Uh, uh, but it doesn't take away from the fact that you shoot great from the perimeter. So I, I don't know. I thought they forced switches with Davis and a guard and took advantage. They, they destroyed us in the length category tonight. Once again, Will Barton, 6'5 shooting guard, 13 rebounds. He outscored Anthony Davis, who had 11. 
I, I cannot understand how we have the length that we have and we're being out-rebounded by a 6-5 shooting guard. That is that is that is uh, that that right there is unforgivable. That's the one thing out of this like out of this game where I'm going. If you think you're going to out rebound Montrez Harrell on Christmas Day, and you're letting Will Barton out rebound your entire bench, that's that's horrible. That's horrible. Um, uh, we're we're a bad defensive team on the perimeter. As far as pick and roll uh, D or D on the interior, we're very good. That, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, you're, that's very true. We we make up for it by our interior defense, and really for our pick and roll defense because we allow our bigs to cut it off. But <clears throat> you're very right. the 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 issue is is that our perimeter is the weak point. So, I, I there's not a lot of teams that had like the Warriors had it, the Bulls had it. Um, there are a couple of moments the Rockets had it back in the day, uh, where they had great perimeter D, great interior D, and great pick and roll D. Um, for the most part. We're two out of three on that. <laughs> we're consistently great. When you come inside that three-point line, we're consistently great. But I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure these teams are spending a tremendous amount of time shooting threes when they get prepared for us because they just don't want to do it. Jamal Murray had a fast break, and he was coming down, and Anthony Davis was just waiting in the paint. Jamal Murray didn't even go towards the paint. He just stood right where he was and shot it because he didn't even want a piece of that. Okay, that's how that's how scary our interior is. But that's why you people are beating us on the exterior in the perimeters because they don't want to come inside, which is fine. The issue is, is that you have to trust that their shot their, their shot is not going to fall. And tonight, it, that the, the the threes really weren't the difference, guys. The threes really were not the difference. They made one more three than we did, and it took three more to get it. We shot ten to twenty nine. They shot eleven to thirty two, and we were we actually technically shot a higher three three point percentage. We were 34.5%. They were 34.4%, if you want to be technical about it. We didn't lose the game because of threes. We lost the game, number one, because of turnovers. We lost the game because of free throw shooting. And then, obviously, they just scored more in the paint than we did. So, it, it just looked bad because of the runs. When they hit the threes was the issue. But they didn't shoot much better than we did at three. So, as crazy as it sounds about our perimeter defense, they, it, we were almost even. We pretty much were better than they were. We were more efficient with our threes than they were. But they just, they got us tonight. Um, <clears throat> is holding Cousins' roster spot hurting the team for flexibility of options or for trading or acquiring a player? Or is keeping him on the roster a better long-term option? Blake Sinclair, I am fully convinced, brother, they expect Cousins to be playing in the finals. I think they saw what he did last year, and I think even with him having another season-ending injury, I think they trust that he's going to... This is just all personal feelings. They, I've heard no reports on this whatsoever. But I personally feel like they see a future of Boogie Cousins this season. That's the only reason why I can, I can imagine them doing that. Uh, I got to hurry up and get through these. Need to get a healthy AD, look good. I think he's, I think he's so laser-focused on proving people he isn't fragile. I believe that completely. And I'm really hoping this that was a uh, hobby uh, ball out. I truly believe that is the case. I think he's trying to prove a point. And while I appreciate it and I love his heart for it, man, this is not the time. And this is not the team. And this is certainly not the season to prove that. I love it. We've won some games because he played through injuries. But now it's time to taper it down a little bit, get yourself healthy. Because 2020 is around the corner. And we got to be ready. After Christmas Day, we had a hard stretch, man. Like he needs to be taking it easy on himself. Alcacuzzi, what about load management for AD and LBJ now? No, you probably won't see. Once again, they're going to keep trying to 
uh, keep LeBron's minutes low, 30 minutes or so. But because they're trying to get as much chemistry and synergy and offensive sets rolled in before the playoffs, you, you really can't afford it, right? With the Clippers, you can because you take Kawhi out or you take uh, uh, Paul George, but they don't have to. But you take Kawhi out, that team can still function fine. The offensive sets were there prior to Kawhi getting there. This is a completely different roster. So Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, like these guys, even Zubox, even as bad as he's been playing, these guys know. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Shamit, all those guys, they know how to play together. For us, we are learning, and every minute is valuable, and this team has yet to be fully healthy. Yet, we, to this day, to this day, the entire roster has not been fully healthy, and we're still number one in the conference. Can you imagine what would happen if once we get, you probably won't see, like, uh, load management until we've secured or clinched our division or clinched, um, uh, clinched the conference. So, after that, you're going to probably see them sitting out some games and getting ready for the playoffs. Blake Sinclair, there's a reason people are wanting Iggy on the Lakers so much. He can be playmaking wing when LeBron is out or play late game minutes with him as a shooter or perimeter defender. Absolutely, Blake. Yo, man, I'm just telling you, I, here's the best case scenario. Let me just give you guys the best case scenario. I'm going to answer these last two questions and we're done. Best case scenario, we get Iggy, we cut Quinn Cook, uh, Boogie Cousins gets healthy. And right around the Western Conference Finals, we are fully healthy and fully loaded. Best case scenario. Because I just want you to think about this. And I want you to think about this in the context of playoffs, okay? I don't want you to think about this in the context of what you've seen so far. But in the context of playoffs, okay? You would have an Anthony Davis, a LeBron James, a Rondo. These are, these are proven playoff people. Danny Green, proven playoff person. Andre Iguodala, proven playoff person you, you kind of see where i'm going with this like these are people who can like these are great this is a great veteran uh uh veteran additions boogie who's who hasn't necessarily won a ring but he showed last season that you put him in the spotlight he can produce man like him in this kind of game him and anthony davis both being able to contribute 30 points which is completely possible completely possible for him to be able to do that like if he's healthy like that—that's a dangerous lineup. Like that's dangerous. And and if, if you would have had that tonight with no LeBron, you know how scary that would be for people. That that's best case scenario, man. So I'm I'm praying. I'm praying, man, hard. I'm praying to the Lord every Sunday. God, please let Boogie be good and make somebody give up Iggy. Now, man, I just want them to trade for Iggy and then cut him. That's all I want. But we'll see. Uh, when I say veterans, I'm purely talking about KCP, Rondo, Dwight, Avery, and Green. Yeah, Casey, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, Blank. I don't expect anything from Dudley besides taking up a roster spot. Well, unfortunately, as crazy as this sounds, <clears throat> Jared Dudley is our most consistent shooter from three. Sounds bananas, doesn't it? It sounds bananas, but like, I mean, there was a point where he was almost perfect from three up until like a, a few games ago. Um, but right now, he's, I mean, the, the dude is shooting almost 40% from three. <laughs> like, that's, I mean, it's bananas, man. Like, He's played 20 games. He's averaging eight minutes a game. And this dude is just like shooting almost 40% from three. So, like, I expect that from him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think with KCP tonight, and I, it's hard for me to call KCP a veteran, um, even though he clearly is. He's clearly a veteran. He's been in the, he's been in the league long enough that you can call him that. Um, I just, I think about, like, um, 
battle-tested players, right? I think about the reason why I consider Jared Dudley such a great veteran is because of what he did in Brooklyn, right? And his ability to be able to, to, to take a team that literally looked like they were going to do nothing and, and produce and contribute. And of course, what he did with the Suns. KCP, to me, is still an experiment in my mind. He's still trying to figure out what his legacy is going to be in the end. Um, my prayer is that he becomes a contributing piece into our championship run and his name goes down as the guy who had a redemption story of the ages who literally people were trying to trade and all of a sudden became a consistent six man or, of course, a starter um, in the playoffs and into the finals. Um, okay, guys, so we're getting out of here. I'm done. I've been on for over an hour and it's beyond midnight where I'm at. But let's just do our, our normal joint. I know there's only a few people watching left, but let's go to our normal joint right now. Um, and look at the upcoming schedule. Of course, the biggest game of the year for us is coming up on Wednesday on Christmas Day. I anticipate that everybody will be watching. I will be um, doing post-game on location because uh, I'll be with family, but I'm, I'm not missing that, okay? Um, that, that game is so important. John Ireland said that he literally wants to be on the radio the day after because he expects a win that night. Um, but with the Clippers losing um, the way they have, um, I think they're going to be hungry and waiting to take us out. And I think they also know how big that game is. Um, and so we'll see. But it gets, it gets real tough, man. Portland, we're on the road uh, to Portland. We have a back-to-back. -back. So we're at Portland, and we come right back home. We're playing against Dallas. Um, and uh, I anticipate Luka will be back by then, uh, although he's been hurt. So we don't know. Um, and then once we get past that, once we get past Dallas, that, that little two-game stretch, we start the year off with very load-manageable games. Okay, Phoenix, New Orleans, Detroit, New York. Okay, these are all games where we should be able to get a lead. When I say load manageable, be able to get a lead, and by the fourth quarter, you're sitting AD and LeBron. Don't, that's that's what the goal is. January first, third, fifth, and seventh. Okay, if you can give your if you can give those starters enough time to like rest it up, <clears throat> that's going to be great. But then you hit that next hit that next little trek, and it gets a little weird. Dallas on the road for Dallas and Oklahoma City. Both of those games are going to be tough. But then once again, uh, you you come back home and you have a couple of easy games: Cleveland, Orlando, and then it gets crazy, right? Houston. This is I think this is this is going to probably be a worse road trip than the one that we just came off of, uh, because of the, the the caliber of people at Houston. Okay. And then we go uh, at Boston, and then we're at New York. That doesn't mean anything. At Brooklyn, that's going to be a game. At Philadelphia, that's going to be a game. Come back home to the to the Clip, to the Clippers and the uh, and the Trailblazers. Okay, like that stretch towards the end of January is why you need to take care of business in the first seven days of January, so that we can get some good time for them to rest. So that we can hit that that crazy road trip uh, and try to figure ourselves out, man, because that is going to be bananas. All right, guys, that's it for me, man. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm so glad you guys tuned in tonight. It was a really tough loss. I hope you guys got a chance to vent it out. Um, I certainly did. Um, but I know that this team is going to rebound. I know we're going to be great. Um, once again, send spirit bombs uh, out to uh, the Twitter atmosphere, Instagram atmosphere, to the Lakers team. Make sure they know how much you appreciate them, how much you love them, because Christmas Day is coming. We need them to be mentally focused and ready. Um, and then keep uh, keep a, a lookout on the Showtime Forum Twitter as we keep you abreast of the injury updates, of course. Um, and then letting you know, of course, what's gonna get what's gonna happen as far as roster rotations and the possibilities of what could be happening. So I appreciate you guys, and until we see you again, sign.